Beautiful Sunday morning at New Harvest Norwalk Church. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you are a first-time guest especially, you are welcome here. You are an answer to our prayers. This morning, if you are a first-time guest, we'd love to give you a special welcome, let you know we appreciate you here today. Would you lift your hand let us know if you are a first-time guest, where you might be, anyone for the very first time? God bless you. Right over here in the back, God bless you folks also. I wonder if we might turn the lights on in, in the back there so I can see anything that's going on back there. Anyone else? Anyone else that we might have missed? Praise God. Come on, church. Let them know. We appreciate them this morning. Thank you. Yes, amen. Good to have you here with us this morning. We have prepared a VIP guest area for you, your family, and your friends. And uh, the way to get to that VIP guest area as you exit the sanctuary down Take a left through the hall, through the double doors. Someone will be there to greet you, to welcome you uh, into that VIP guest area where we've got refreshments, we have snacks, as well as all the great stuff going on here at New Harvest. So thank you for joining us. Church, let them know once again, we so appreciate them being with us here this morning. Beautiful Sunday morning. Well, there's a lot taking place uh, coming up, and so uh, we're looking forward to all the events here at New Harvest, and this morning, before I get into the Word of God, uh, we're going to have prayer at the end of my my uh, my service this morning, the preaching this morning, because um, I'm, we're going to have communion, and I felt it would be appropriate to be able to hear the Word of God and then apply it into our lives in those areas, and so don't worry, we're going to pray uh, at the end of the service. But before I get into the Word, just a, a quick announcement. Uh, for us to keep in mind and to pray for the families uh, that uh, were so devastated in Texas and uh, also Ohio uh, this weekend, the tragedies through the shootings and uh, the maiming, the death, and praying for the loved ones who lost family uh, members as well as those who are critically uh, ill in the hospital fighting for their lives. Please, let's, we're living in, in a crazy world that is torn apart by the hatred and, and division and strife and, and just so much ugliness. And I believe it's up to us as Christians. Yes, we appreciate the first responders. Keep them in prayer. Law enforcement, obviously, keep them in prayer. But I really I want to pray for us as Christians to let's go that extra mile to tell somebody about the love of God. You never know who you might speak to, who may be contemplating something crazy like what we've ex witnessed uh, this weekend and that Jesus would be able to touch their life to sharing your testimony or telling them about the love of God, you know. So let's do what we're supposed to be as Christians, the, the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And um, let's just um, keep those uh, families uh, through those two different states and I think, believe it was uh, El Paso and in Akron, Ohio. Just keep them in prayer and um, just believe God that uh, things are going to change as, as we as Christians begin to infiltrate more effectively the gospel of Jesus Christ in schools, uh, in our schools. You know, there's an opposition there, we know, and that uh, we need to pray for our schools and pray for the children in our schools that uh, they're, they're able to 
at least get someone in to witness and to let them know about the love of God. We have opportunities. We've done that through our different uh, programs here at church. And so uh, we just need to pray for a widening door to open up for us. Praise God. Uh, the second announcement that I want to make is at our first service, we had Pastor George Crescencia with us, who he and his wife, Rennie, uh, were pastoring in San Pedro, California. Um, we spoke with Pastor George at our leadership uh, this conference, this past conference, and uh, mentioned some of you are aware of what they're facing, he and his wife, Rennie, uh, who's fighting cancer. Uh, in her life, and they've been pastoring that church, and Pastor George has been uh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to, to take care of his wife and take care of the church at the same time, but we spoke with him and said, look, you know, it's time, you need to let go of the church and focus on your wife, spend time with her, and do what you can to help her be more comfortable at home, we'll take care of the church, and so in saying that, last Sunday, um, I, I was there in San Pedro making the transition uh, in the San Pedro Church. And so what's going to happen is um, uh, the San Pedro Church is going to become a campus church or satellite church of us here in Norwalk. And what that means is that they're not going to have a pastor per se, but we're going to be sharing our pastors with them. So this morning, Pastor Danny is over there and Sabrina uh, preaching. They're doing the service this morning. Uh, we've placed in place there uh, Tim Price, his wife Michelle. They're going to be the campus coordinators there in San Pedro, helping us with the daily outreaches and all the, uh, the, the things that need to go on throughout the week, as well as he will be preaching there during the week. We've asked um, Brother Matt Penalber, as well as Manny Free, who preach here, uh, on, on Wednesdays. There's Tuesday nights. They're going to go help them out on Tuesday nights over there. And so uh, George will be joining us. Pastor George uh, will be joining us occasionally when he can. He was here this morning. Uh, get away and, and uh, be a part of our services here. And, and so keep them in prayer. The church in San Pedro, they're going forward. They're moving for Jesus. They're a good church. They've been going and, and doing great things for God. Uh, they are missionary church. They are supporting uh, the, the uh, uh, Pastor Sammy and his wife in uh, the Philippines. And so uh, they are supporting that church. They're going to continue to do that. Uh, they are, as well as we, are going to continue to support uh, Pastor George and Sister Rennie uh, so that they will be comfortable. We're not just going to let them go, but we'll support them through this time period in their lives uh, to make sure that their needs are being met. So uh, we're just moving forward and allowing Pastor George to have his time with his wife, Ren, uh, and uh, just as much time as he needs to, to be there to help her through this time of uh, her uh, sickness. And so keep them in prayer. Keep the San Pedro Church in prayer. And in saying that, what I'm going to do, because we have wonderful pastors here, uh, Pastor uh, Reuben, his wife, Rose, Pastor Danny, his sister Sabrina, obviously, uh, as the preaching pastors here, and we have our other uh, guys that help preach. Um, so being in saying that, uh, this morning, uh, I'm preaching, but I'm not on the schedule for some time. Uh, they're going to let me come back in October and, and preach a couple of times, so uh, thank God for that. But during the time that I'm not going to be preaching on Sunday, I asked the church in San Pedro if my wife and I could go and be with them next week and the following uh, Sundays and encourage them and preach there in their church. So that's where we'll be on Sunday morning. 
uh, preaching there in San Pedro for, for, for these next couple of months. I'll be here on Wednesdays, uh, as it were, doing counseling and whatever else we need to do. But I wanted to give you an update as to uh, what's going on in our ministry and our fellowship and so that you can keep uh, those folks in prayer. Uh, and amen. So, in saying that, turn our Bibles over to the book of James, chapter number one. We're going to have communion this morning. And so, uh, next week's or this month's series uh, is the vision series entitled uh, uh, and, and going into the book of Romans. And so, I want to kind of lay a little bit of a preparation for that uh, through our communion. Because what we need to do before we can expand our vision into whatever God has for us, the calling of God, the ministry of God, or for our own personal lives, we have to make sure that we're prepared and we're on the right track and that we are, are pleasing the Lord when it comes to our lives uh, before we can begin to expand our vision, before we can be, step into new vision that God has for us. And so I want to take a look at in, in the Word of God out of the book of James. Before we, I read a scripture, I want to tell you a story I read about uh, this woman who you might have heard of, of before. Um, she was out in the garden, and she was working and laboring. She'd been out there all, all day, Saturday morning, uh, just working hard, getting dirty, no makeup on her hair, is a mess. She's in her, 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 uh, her grubs, as it were, out there in, in the flower beds and in the yard. And she looked up and she sees a car pulling in towards her driveway. And as that car is pulling in, she notices it, that it's her husband's boss. And she's thinking to herself, oh my goodness, he's going to see me like this. You know, uh, I, she drops her gardening equipment, runs into the house, goes up into the bedroom, into the bathroom, pulls out her makeup kit, starts to wash her face and starts putting on her makeup, her lipstick, her false eyelashes, puts on her wig. She gets herself all fixed up, puts her clothes on, looks in the mirror and says, yes, now he's going to be able to see the real me. Think about that. We spend so much of our time looking in the mirror. What would life be like? Think of it. What would your life be like if there were no mirrors? Yeah, right. Some of us would be praying, Jesus, come quickly. I need help. We constantly find ourselves, even walking through the mall, you can't, you can't pass a mirror without doing this number and going through Big picture glass window, you take a glance, and you go through. How many know what I'm talking about? It's human nature. Human nature always wants to look at its reflection, always wants to see if things are right, if things are going good. We use the mirrors, guys, to shave. We fix our hair, brush our teeth. Some guys put on makeup, whatever, you know, do their eyebrows and, and so on. The ladies, they obviously spend time taking care of themselves, looking for new wrinkles. That wasn't there last week, you know. Got to put some putty on there and cover the thing up. You know, are there any new blemishes that, that weren't there uh, last week? Are there there today? Or sometimes even looking in the mirror and doing this and seeing if our chin has given birth to another chin somewhere down the line, you know. And we do that, and we're so used to it because we want to make sure that, you know, we're looking good and that we're okay and everything is right. We want to remedy 
fix those areas that maybe aren't the best looking and try to address them. James, in our text, in chapter 1, in verses 22 through 23, gives us the same picture using the analogy of God's word as a mirror. And that God's word gives you and I a reflection of our lives spiritually. And so I entitled this sermon, it's vision, obviously, is the theme, but yet spiritual vision that we need inwardly to see ourselves as we are. How do we do that? Through God's word, as God, God's word begins to reveal to us. And so let's read our text so I don't uh, get ahead of myself here. And listen to what James says. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently, there's a word, intently or intentionally, intentionally, I'm, I'm looking and I'm intent on seeing what it's showing me. We know what that's like. He says, but the man who looks into, looks intently into the perfect law, because God's word is perfect, isn't it? The word of God is perfect. So the man who looks intently at God's perfect word, or perfect law, it's that law that gives him freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. How many want to be blessed here in what you do? You want to be blessed? I want to be blessed in my life and what I do or what I am a part of. How do I do that? I do that by doing what James says. I look at the, the word of God. I listen to the word of God. And I use it as a mirror to show me what my life is like. Not what I think it's like, not what I, I feel it's like, but what I am like, because it's God's word that does that. And when I do that, the Bible says it what? Gives me freedom. I like that part. Because how many know it's the junk inside that we don't deal with, that we ignore, even though God's trying to show us that weighs us down, ties us up. It chains us up and keeps us uh, in a bondage. Because we're not willing to allow God to show us those things that are holding us down so we can be free. And James says when, we, when we're willing to intentionally, with intent, look into God's word and we, not just once in a while, every on Sunday or during the week, but he says, continues to do this and not forgetting what you've heard or what you've read about or what you've seen, it says you'll be blessed. There's a lot there this morning that I want to look at quickly with you. Because here's the word of God that's likened to, to us as a mirror that brings a reflection to us. You know, we can come to church and we can put on our Sunday clothes and our Sunday hairdo and smiles and our Sunday vocabulary. We know what I'm talking about. And we go through that, our Sunday smiles. 
But yet inside we know things aren't right. Inside we know that we're not dealing with what we're supposed to be dealing with simply because maybe we've been ignoring the word of God. We've not been allowing God to deal with our lives as we hear the word of God. In the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, which we're going to read at at the end of the service because it speaks about the Lord's Supper. And that's what we're talking about. Think about that. Communion. The Lord's Supper. This church in Corinth, they were having issues with, with regard to the understanding of what the communion supper was supposed to be about. They were looking at the communion supper as a time to feast, to feed themselves, party, have fun. And it was not about that at all. They were forgetting about what it was about, the Lord's Supper communion, that Jesus shed his blood, his body was broken for our sins, and that we remember every time we eat that bread, the representation of his broken body and drink the juice, uh, the representation of the blood that was spilt on Calvary, that that's what the Lord's Supper is about. And Paul is trying to correct them. And he's trying to teach them about that because there was confusion, division, strife. Listen to what he says in verse 28, chapter 11. But a man must, or woman, first examine himself or herself. And in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Talking about communion. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep or a number have died. Now here's the key. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Listen to that, what he says. He's saying that what we need to do is listen as James was talking about. Look at the mirror. Let it reflect back to you so you can judge yourself. Look at your life so you can correct the issues. Judge yourself correctly. Allow the word of God to speak to your life. And he says, when we do not do that, when we ignore what God is saying to us through his word, when we read it, when we hear it, there's going to be a, a negative impact upon us. He says, that's why many are weak. Spiritually, they're weak. Why many are sick physically, and why even some have passed and died. Simply because they have not allowed their, their lives to be corrected as they have listened to the word of God or the word of God has spoken into themselves, into their lives. They've ignored it. And he says, when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. This is how much God loves us. Think about that this morning. He allows us to hear the word of God, to read the word of God, to carry the word of God. Why? So we can begin to make things right in our lives. Why? So we're not going to be judged with the world. That's how much he loves us. He wants us to be made right. He wants us to be clean. He wants us uh, to be right before him. How does that happen? Through the word of God and allowing it to judge us. See, as we prepare for communion, 
The most important thing we need to understand and look at is our spiritual condition. People come to church, they hear something they don't like, and right away they get mad at God or get mad at the preacher. I mean, ask yourselves, when you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see, do you get mad at the mirror? Do you break it? Do you throw things at it? No, some might. But usually it's like, it's my fault. This is why I look. This is what I did. This is what I need to do to make it right. But it's when you hear the word of God, it seems that they want to get mad at the, the preacher or at the word of God. When you need to understand, God loves you. God's not trying to embarrass you, not trying to put you down. He's not trying to make you feel like you're less than anybody else. All he's trying to do is help us. So all he's trying to do is help us to make it into the kingdom of God. So we're not going to be judged with the, with the unbelievers and with the world. That's the love of God. Don't you thank him for his grace, his mercy, that that's what churches when we come, not just a religious exercise, but we're able to come and, hey, Lord, show me, help me to fix those things that are broken in my life. Then there are those that say, well, just keep the mirror away from me. I don't want to know what I look like. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. Ignorance is bliss. But you see, can you imagine how we would be here this morning if we all did that and ignored the mirror in our, in our bathroom and said, I don't want to know what I look like. I'm just going to church. God help us all. <laughs> see, the church is a place for people to receive healing. A church is a place for people to, to, to get help and for brokenness to be mended. The church is a place where we can come and uh, receive uh, the, the grace and the goodness of God in our lives. And as we listen to God's word, freedom comes. The, 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 the chains, the strongholds uh, are broken in our lives. And liberty is, is replacing it. How does that happen? When does that happen? When the word of God is exposed in, in, in us when we read the word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. We get the same thought from uh, the Apostle Paul, again, as we did from James, using the word of God as a mirror to show us, to examine us. Paul uses the word test. He says, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Wow, that's something, right? When's the last time you tested yourself to see whether you're in the faith or just going through religious exercises and coming to church? That's important. How do we test ourselves? Well, he says this, examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? You see, what he's saying is that our faith has to be put to the test. Has to, how does it be put to the test? It's put to the test as we look into what James calls the Word of God. And it begins to show us and we examine. Whoa, I failed the test. Man, this is not good. You know, I, I turned 70 this year and I'm so disappointed and angry, upset, because I have to take the driving test to get my license. You know, before that, they would mail it to me, five years, cool, no problem. But they passed this dumb law 
that now when you turn 70, you got to go in there and take, I don't even know if I can pass it. I don't even know if I know all the rules. That last time I took a test was in 19, blah, blah, blah. And back then, you know, who knows what rules they had and what, what's changed. I just kind of like stay in the lane, blinker, whatever, move forward, stop, whatever, you know. And he's, now I got to take a test. Hope I don't pa- fail it, but think about your spiritual test. It's what, it's what Paul is saying. Test yourselves. Examine yourself to see if you're basically saved. If you're pleasing to God. When's the last time you did that? How many know we like to test everybody else's faith? Look at that brother over there. He he can't be saved. Look at that sister over there. Look at the way she, forget her. When's the last time we tested ourselves? See, we don't like that. But we like testing everybody else. God gives us the word, allows us to look and the word of God and let it begin to show us those areas in our lives that are that may be sick, that are weak spiritually, that, that are broken, that need to be mended. I mean, after all, think about it. We go to the doctor, we pay the doctor, pay our insurance bills concerning our health, and we go in and we don't say, Doc, lie to me. Don't tell me what's wrong, right? We say, tell me what the problem is so it can be fixed, what's taking place. Same way. We need to allow the Lord to expose us in those places that need healing and ask him for that spiritual vision and discernment regarding what it is he's showing to us. And that's what we need, that discernment, that spiritual discernment in our lives. Hebrews chapter 5 and in verse 14, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says concerning discernment. He says, but solid food is for the mature. In other words, alluding to a child, you give them baby food. You don't give them steaks and all this hard thing they can't, they can't chew and digest. You give them the soft stuff. It's like Christianity, new Christians. You, you, you give them the, 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 the easy things that they can, they can retain and they can understand. But that doesn't last forever. But... You know, you start to mature. You grow older the longer you're saved. The more you're able to handle of God's word, correction uh, and, and direction and so on and so forth. So what he, the writer of Hebrews is saying, solid food, steak, meat, carne, is for the mature, the strong Christian, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. You see, that's what looking into the Word of God does. It shows us the good and the bad and the ugly, if I could use that, in us, in those areas of our lives that God wants to change, those areas that God wants to correct. And how do we do that? Through spiritual discernment. In other words, knowing that when God shows us that, yes, that's bad. That's, that's not good. That's hurting me. That's wrong. I... Spiritual discernment. That comes as we mature in the things of God. This is why it's so important that when we come to church, we listen and not, like James says, just be hearers but doers of the word of God, applying it to our lives. That brings maturity, gives us the ability to take in more, 
to grow and to accomplish more for the things of God. It says we mature because we have trained our senses to discern good from evil. That word trained means practice. You know, when somebody trains for any sport, they don't just train once and then they play the game. Constantly training, constantly practicing. That's exactly what, what, what uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews says we need to constantly be doing. Not just on Sunday or during the week. Train yourself at home, at work, at school, wherever you are. Listen to the word of God. Read the word of God. Take it in uh, in your life. And you're training. You're practicing. Why? Because you want to train your spiritual senses of discernment. So that when someone comes up to you and says, hey, man, come over here with me. You go, no. Nah. I'm discerning something that ain't right. They got a great personality. They got good looks. Uh, you know, and uh, she has good looks, but you know there's a problem. You know, your spiritual senses are, in, uh, are, are sensitive, discernment. Hey, let's go do this. No, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I'm looking further down the line than just right now. I am this, this spiritual discernment. We need that. That's what's going to keep us saved. That's what's going to keep us on the right track. That's going to, what's going to keep us pleasing God. That's what James says, so that we can be pleasing to the Lord. How many want to please God? I do. We all should want to please God. Discernment. That word means the ability to judge well. Perception, insight, wisdom. We all need that. To be able to discern the devil's lies, the strategies of the enemy. The word discern comes from the Greek word that literally means to look through like Jesus does with us. How many of you looks through the outside and on the inside? Well, we can have that spiritual discernment also. The writer of Hebrews says so. How do we do that? Through practice, through training through the word of God, knowing right from wrong, looking through. I remember growing up as a kid, hero, obviously, every kid's hero is Superman, the beginning, right? Any old timer, George Reeves, the main, the main guy, ooh, one who, you're old. All the rest of us don't even know who he is. He can look through metal, he can look through steel, look through walls, you name it. He could pierce right through and see on the other side, except for kryptonite. That was his weakness. And you see, that's what the devil throws at us, to try and block our spiritual discernment, is uh, his deceptions, his strategies, his, his, his lies, to keep us from seeing through the consequences of our actions. How many know what I'm talking about? So how do I overcome that spiritual kryptonite the devil wants to throw at us? I do it through the word of God. Because the word of God, it pierces right through everything. It goes right through the lies, the strategies of the devil and our own thinking. Because how many know we're sometimes our own worst enemy? We lie to ourselves. We deceive ourselves. Amen? And so discernment, so critical in our lives that we can discern through the Holy Spirit, being sensitive, called conviction. The world calls it uh, conscience, guilty conscience. No, it's conviction. Because I believe worldly people get convicted. 
They give it a different name, but it's conviction. God's convicting them. They know when they're doing wrong. They just give it a different title and make excuses. And so sometimes Christians do the same thing, don't they? See, only God and the Holy Spirit can help us look through all of our own excuses uh, and the lies that the enemy puts up against the, 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 strat- the truth of God's word. That's why Paul says in Corinthians, cast down, tear down all those things that are built up against the knowledge of Christ. Cast them down, remove them. In other words, uh, destroy them. How do I do that? I do that through the word of God. As God's word is showing me, discerning, understanding, giving me wisdom. Devil, you're not trapping me with that. No, I'm not falling for that. No, I'm not going to that. I'm not hanging with them. I'm not doing this. Uh, Why? Because I want to please God. And see, that's spiritual discernment. And we're talking about communion. And this is what, what Paul was dealing with at that church. They had confusion. They were biting each other, fighting with each other, yelling at each other. They were messed up. Paul says, listen, you need understanding. You need to let the word of God begin to show you where you're wrong. You see, the problem is we we have a tendency to overlook and sometimes even ignore those things that we call small that should not be in our lives, that are an offense to the things of God. And we keep them stuffed down, deep down in those dark places, those caverns that we think that, hey, I got it hidden, nobody's going to see it. You know, guys, where you have your stash, ladies, where you have your stash. Yeah, we all, we all know what that is. Not talking drugs now, okay? Not talking drugs, forget that. That's old, dead. Food, maybe, drugs. Some of you got M&N stashed in the drawer there. You don't want nobody to see. A hamburger stashed over here from, from, from last night that you don't want your wife to see you eating, whatever. It's a stash. We, we do that. We stash those little things that aren't right in the deep, dark places. And that's when the Word of God comes in, Hebrews 4. In verse 12, it says, For the Word of God... Is living, it's alive, it's active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces as far as the division of our soul and spirit, who we are, not who we say we are, what we are, of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open, laid bare to the eyes of him who we have to deal with. God sees and looks and knows everything in there. That's why we need the Word of God. That's why we need the Word of God, because it was left up to us. We're perfect. I'm ready for heaven now. Take me, Jesus. We need God's Word. Because if we're not vigilant, we're not watchful, we'll get to the place where we think, I'm doing good, I've got things under control, and uh, I'm maybe not as bad as I thought I was. Ephesians 5, 8, and 11. For one time you were darkness. That's what the Bible says we were. But now you are the light, or in the light, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And then he goes on and says, so try to discern or judge what is pleasing to the Lord. 
Try to discern and judge what is pleasing to the Lord. How do I do that when I'm walking in the light? How do I walk in the light? Because I judge myself when I'm in darkness. I judge my life when, when I'm, I'm leaning towards uh, the darkness, the things that are not right with God. That's why it's so important. We need God's word. Don't ignore it. Don't fight it. Study it. Read it. Learn it. Because you'll grow in the things of God. You'll be a stronger man and woman of God. Able to help your families, help your friends. People are hurting out there. They're, it's crazy in the world. And as far as I'm concerned, the hope of the world is Jesus Christ. His truth, his word, his people going into the, the, the harvest field and letting them know. So this is what communion is kept, meant to keep our minds clear, straight, and focused. What are the results as I close this out? The results of examination, the results of us being able to discern what's right versus wrong. We're going to learn and experience the true meaning of the life that Jesus gave us. We're going to know about Christianity, not plain Christianity, but what it means to be a Christian. What it means to strive to be Christ-like. Not perfect. Not perfect, because we're not perfect here. We already covered that. Nobody's perfect in this place. But what it means to strive to be better, to be more like Jesus Christ. The results is that we experience the vision we're going to be hearing about this next month concerning what God has for our lives, what God has prepared for our lives. Why? Because we'll be ready internally. We'll be ready spiritually inside. I've already examined myself, and I'm continuing to examine myself, even through this month's series, uh, and I'm looking, and God, you know what's there? Get it out, because I'm going to do more for you. I want greater vision. I want greater, greater ex blessings of God in my life and family. Jeremiah says in 29, 11, I have got good things for you. I've got hope for you, not to harm you, not to hurt you, but to help you, to prosper you. We want that. That's what, those are the results of self-examination as well as discernment of what's true and not true. Unity is a result. The church of Corinth was broken apart. Paul was trying to bring them understanding in chapter 10 in verse 16 of 1 Corinthians. The cup of blessing that we bless is it not participation in the blood of Christ? The bread we break is it not participation in the body of Christ? Unified with Christ, that's what we're talking about. Communion, it's a time of unity and communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. Understanding his sacrifice that he made for our sins. And then identity. Unity and identity. When we examine ourselves, we see what's lacking. We, we want to become more like Christ. We start to identify with him in more ways than not. God's always with us. How many can say amen? He'll never leave us. He never forsakes us. We know that. But there's something special that takes place at communion. There's an anointing, a presence of God. Then we're gathered together in one accord.
And we're understanding that what we're celebrating is the remembrance of what Jesus did for us, the price that he paid for our sins. Something unique happens at this service, uh, and that's where our identity comes. Uh, listen to the scripture. We are baptized, it says in Romans 6.3. Did you not forget that all of us become part of Christ? When we were baptized, we shared his death in our baptism. We're going to have baptisms August the 18th at our summer bash in two or three weeks. Get baptized if you're not baptized. If you backslid, you came back, you want to get rebaptized. We got the classes taking place. That is an identity with Jesus Christ. Uh, when you get in the water, we, we, we dunk you, bring you up. Old things are passed away. Bear in the old man. Behold, all new things now. New th all things become new. That's baptism. That's so powerful. That's as our musicians come and make their way to the platform. This morning, as we're thinking about our lives, who we are, how about your spiritual vision? When's the last time you took the test of who you are in the faith? That examination that spiritual MRI where you go into that machine and they say, don't move. Stay still. And that thing goes through and checks every aspect of your body physically. It's the same way spiritually. When we allow ourselves to be examined by the Word of God, stop moving. Stop running. Stay still and know that he is God. And let that still, small voice begin to speak to you and show you those places in your life that maybe need to be adjusted, need to be corrected. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning. If you're here, you're not serving the Lord, maybe you're backslidden. This morning, won't you give Jesus your life? Won't you allow him to be the king of your life, the Lord of your life, to bring blessing into your life, healing? Stop running from God. Stay still. And know that he is God this morning. Would you let us pray with you if that's you for the very first time you want to accept?